Three, two, one. What a fucking hinged countdown. Lovely stuff, Janusz. Thank you very much. You, I can tell you're a professional. I can tell you do like eight podcasts. I mean, I'm only doing the countdown for you and Roy. Like, because all my other podcasts are like with four people or five. So it's like not mm, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have to rely on the machine. Yeah. The automation is taking all our jobs. Fuck you, time.is. <laughs> yeah, this is good, like, manual podcasting. <laughs> yeah, good old-fashioned brick-and-mortar podcasting. B- bespoke claps. <laughs> These claps are fucking bespoke. Okay, who you introduced last time? Hi, listeners. Welcome to Tan 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 Tan, the internet's only currently active tinted podcast. I actually don't know about that one, but I'm not going to verify it. I am going to assertively say this is the internet's only currently active tinted podcast. Welcome. This week, I said, Herge, 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 young man, I am speaking directly into your ear. This one, this one better not be super fucking racist. You can have maybe a little Orientalism as a treat, only if I literally don't believe that you're capable of not doing Orientalism, but like, come on, come on. Yeah, I was pointing the, I was pointing the meme gun at RJ, uh, and I was like, uh, the last, the last one was so bad that I'm gonna stop this podcast if I don't like this one. Yeah, like, okay, you're saying that as a bit. I was genuinely thinking it. Who are you, by the way? Yeah, uh, I'm Janosch. I'm Sarah. Did I say that? Fuck, no. I don't know. Hi, I'm Sarah. And Sarah, I have, a, I have a question for you. Uh huh. Do you come from a land of black gold? <laughs> no. Um, uh, well, children come and they do torture. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while. I got there. Um, this one has child torture in it, but not in the way you might think. No, it has comedy, uh, comedy corporal punishment, uh, but like in a way that you're gonna be like, yeah, he deserved it. Yeah, this one. Hey, this one was good, and I don't this think this one was it really good. Genuinely. Don't think it was racist. Also genuinely, weirdly not Orientalist somehow. Yeah. Like, all the, like, Arabs were people. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> Throwing my hands up like the video games Gen- emoji. It has, like, a character stereotype thing that he did in the, in Cigars of the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he does, he does that again, but puts a twist on it where it makes it good. Yeah. Like, where it makes it, like, gives, makes them actual characters instead of, instead of just like a stereotype, which is, yeah. uh, which is shocking. It's, I did not expect to like this one as much because it's not, I don't think it's one that people talk about a lot. It's not one of the classics. No. It's, I thought, cause I thought the like fucking seven crystal balls, prisoners of the sun, like that's one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. And that one, like the second half of that fucking sucked. Oh God. And this is one that has been like, that has been rewritten three times, like, from, God, like, yeah. it's, it's a, it's an abandoned project that he picks up again. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it's really good. Like, and it's in a really interesting way. Like, I think the, the nature of it being like reflecting like two and a half different like periods of, 
Hergé is writing, just like yeah. makes it really interesting to read it on like a chronological read the way we're doing it. Yeah, I do like I wanna get into like some of the, the timeline and abandonment and yeah. re-abandonment and third second finishing and stuff. Cause like there's a lot going on here. Like I mentioned back in Crab with Golden Claws that yes. he'd started doing Land of Black Gold and then Belgium got taken over by the Nazis and had stopped that, uh instead did Crab with Golden Claws, which has like a similar plot and similar themes, but like reading this one and like already being aware that it was written in like 1939 and then rewritten, and like the first half of the book, every single character is like, oh my god, like there's gonna be a war. Have you heard about this war that's coming yeah. on? Oh my god, all these factors leading up to this war that's gonna happen. And then like two thirds of the way, they're like, no, oh, no, the war's not happening actually. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I see. I see. Okay. Um, and just like general, it's like political, political stuff, like, oh, factional politics of, oh, and now there's just like unhinged stuff happening with a child and yeah. some aspirin. I'm like, okay, okay. This yeah, makes we have so a much pill sense. that transformed the Thompsons into ZZ Top. <laughs> TT Top. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and then we have like characters, right? That like, you can very clearly notice at which point he like shoehorned Haddock into it to like have an excuse to not be in the book and then yeah. and then he comes back and then when the characters ask hey why are you here he's like uh no reason it's the end of the book <laughs> I'm just just here now Hergé knows I exist now because I've manifested into reality since 1939 it's it's really good like if I don't know if I didn't have the knowledge of how this book was written I would I would like nitpick that yeah, definitely. But like with as as like a book that like throws throws in like like or like mixes together Hergé's different like storytelling approaches and different like phases of his life. It's uh it's it's weirdly satisfying to like pick up on these things. Yeah. Cuz like I think like the first half has all the like good bits of early Hergé with yeah. like political and like quite nuanced like factional stuff going on which yeah. actually especially considering the sort of 1.5 version of it which had like fucking like layers of zionism and it was set in palestine and i'm yeah. very glad we didn't read that because i don't think my brain could like handle it <laughs> but it is interesting um and especially from like comments of people who've like read that version and been like yeah like wasn't anti-semitic good for you Hergé. Yeah. <laughs> um I do not know what the Palestine conflict looked like in the 1940s. So I, uh, I'm... from having listened to like the East is a podcast. Yeah, I think the like early Israel like state creation was like in the 1940s. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so like, okay, yeah, in May 1948, Israel was officially declared an independent state. Um. So that like that was around that time of Hergé writing this for the second time that stuff was going on and you know what my impression of the like all that is that it was just like a western backed like colonial project that manifested in Zionism. I don't mm. really know much about it, but like given the little context that I have and knowing sort of I know like previous stuff that Hergé said about like colonial themes in China I was like, okay, like I could see that he would be interested in like maybe investigating that. And then I could also see where the British influence comes in, 
because they, they, they basically what happens is his British editors tell him to like rewrite this in 1971 to just yep. make it not be Palestine and make it not be like a sort of like Jewish versus um, Arab uh, yeah. conflict. I mean, just just as a rule of thumb, if the British object to it, it was probably like because he was like right about something. Yeah, exactly. Least. Like I don't actually know what was happening in. It's Palestine it, from the British perspective in 1971, but from that I can take that they had some kind of vested interest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, another, another reason why this is good is uh, I don't know if how much we want to like go through the publication history at the start or just like discuss them at the points when we. I don't know. I guess we can like say like as like a basic thing, like right, like he started writing it in the 30s and publishing it. Yeah. And it was unfinished because war stuff, um, like, he had to change publications, right? Yeah. Um, I actually found out like... from the wiki that, like, Hergé was conscripted into the Belgian army for, like, one month. Yeah. And then sort of managed to get out and continue, like, writing Tintin, like, remotely? Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Um, yeah, he had he had his first like health problem. Like he said, he had sinusitis in the boils, which made him unclear for unfit for service. <laughs> this um, will come back later. This will come back. The boils will come back. Um, Apparently, he wrote fifty eight pages, which is a lot. But like, I think the early like when he was still writing for uh, for for Le Petit Ventime, the pages were formatted differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it ends up to page 28 uh, until 30 of the current uh, book. Which is the bit with the sandstorm. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense because I feel like the bit with the sandstorm is like after that, the child is introduced and everything goes just sicko mode. After that, it becomes a different, uh, a different but also very enjoyable story. It becomes, it had, this had like the second half of this book, I had several like genuine laugh out loud moments. (laughs) Like it's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, But yeah, like he, when he, uh, he finished Prisoners of the Sun and then he was gonna write another epic story where Tintin goes to the moon. But... (laughs) He had another health problem. Back at it like, again with the boils and the eczema, depression, the rage of physical yeah. ailments. Uh, I feel like Hergé is suffering from the disease known as crunch. That is boils on his hand. Like, what the fuck? The thing he needs for <laughs> drawing Bruh? a comic. And he, but he still, like, he needed his wife and his friend Marcel. Uh, Dei, I don't know who that is, but it needed like two people to stage an intervention to say, hey, do something easier. There's yeah. a story that you started publishing already. You could start like republishing it in Tintin magazine where you now publish. Um, and, uh, and he says, yeah, I'm gonna republish it from the start, making light alterations to fit it in the current Tintin universe. And then, once it gets to the like sandstorm, he's gonna like finish it. Which you know, good plan uh, to Tintin's friends, or fuck, good plan Hergé's friends. <laughs> but yeah, I think like amidst all this, it also includes a part where Hergé just like disappears for twelve weeks to go on a holiday because yeah. it looks like he needed a bit of a break, huh? Good for him. Yeah, um, just run away to Switzerland where they can't find you. <laughs> And then it had a third version, as we mentioned, like the same way the Black Island was like, uh, the, the British publishers were objecting to, uh, to the Black Island, uh, for like 
inaccuracies in this one as we as we said like the british publishers were like objecting to setting it in british palestine the british mandate of palestine so he like there were some other redrawings where it was uh, set in the fictional place instead of the real place of uh, palestine so yeah mm. i'm i'm not sure how much uh, there uh, the differences were there like the, the other thing is he was using a real zionist terrorist organization um, oh damn that is real huh yep cool um i think that's all the sort of background information yeah. i mean, will point out specific moments where it's like very noticeable that uh, this has been uh changed or that this uh you know we'll get to, we'll get mm-hmm. to them when mm-hmm. we when we do like the actual analysis of the comic this is like just really, this comic is just really well suited for this podcast format, where we actually like, as as a first time comic of, of reading Tintin, I'm not sure if I'd recommend it, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's good when you know the shit. It's really good for the way we're doing it. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm excited. I mean, it it starts with the best possible way. This is another reason why this book is so good. Is that it starts with the Thompsons car blowing up. Yeah. Hey, um, petrol's broken. Yep. <laughs> I think the most There's something in. <laughs> Something so, in the petrol. Yeah, the Thompsons like get their car filled up and then it like blows up. The other mm. thing they do is to get their cigarette lighter filled up. What was this a thing people did? I guess they used the petrol 40s? for their lighters. Okay. Um <laughs> but there's the, the the panel no I don't think this is how things did it because they say uh and please save a few drops for my lighter and this like person at the like gas station just seems really annoyed that he has to do this yeah so, yeah know. he seems so pissed off he's like as yeah. your lordship pleases I mean, fucking cops he just seems to be pissed off the way the way of like a service worker who is like treated like shit by customers which, yeah uh, i mean they're cops at trucks um yeah <laughs> but yeah they're having a fun time uh I- yeah I do like the the bit that they're singing a song about uh, about the car goes boom and then it goes boom for real. I wonder if this is a real song. It is. It is a parody of a real song. It says somewhere in the wiki that there like as it was a real song, like that was like went boom. So and it parodies it. Interesting. Um, that's somewhere on the wiki page. Um, but yeah, and then like their car goes boom, they have to get uh auto cart to rescue them and they like stop off for a cheeky little cigarette and it also like explodes in their face because of the lighter. So yeah, petrol's mm-hmm. fucked. Um we cut to Tintin reading the news. Um the news of which is, oh, there's gonna be war. Wonder about that. Um Haddock also like calls Tintin is like, hi Tintin, I've been conscripted into the war. I'm not gonna be here for most of this book. Bye. This is so funny. It's so like the, here's the here I've inserted an explanation as to why Haddock isn't here. I'm Hershey, yeah. thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, the Thompson twins like come to Tintin's house and they're like, Tintin, petrol's fucked. They suspect Autocart. Um, and the then sort of follows, like, they suspect it's gonna be Autocart, because Autocart wanna make money off of cars breaking down, so they, like, infiltrate the breakdown company, and, like, do very bad jobs, and, like, get fired over the next five pages. It's a wonderful little yeah. continuing bit. Um, but while this is yeah, happening- Yeah, I mean, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a, there's, there's a bit throughout the entire book where they keep trying to infiltrate things, and they're just so <laughs> obvious about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and while this is happening, Tintin goes and like speaks to Petrol's manager 
the boss of Petra. I don't really know who this guy is. He's got a big chart that says stonks with, and it's going down because <laughs> Petra's fucked. I love this chart. <laughs> this is such a funny image. It's just a chart that has, it says sales chart. The, the axes are not labeled. Yeah, you don't, it's just a chart. It's number and go it's down. It's just like a chart that goes down. <laughs> it's just number go down. Um, Weirdly enough, Petrol's manager is also talking about how this is connected to the impending war. I don't know what that's about. Weird. Mm. Um, and like they get a call. They're like, we've been trying to figure out what it is, but we, we don't know. Also, um, there's a really good panel at the end of this page where like he's been on the phone to the like the Petrol lab. And he's like, what do you mean we can't continue the research? And then you just cut over to the lab where this guy is sitting in just the middle of a bomb site because everything's blown up because Petrol's fucked. It's very, it's very lucky that explosions are just like, the things that explosions do is they just ruffle your clothes. Yeah, yeah, they tear all your clothes up. Your flesh is completely fine because you're impervious yep. to explosions and it's a miracle. <sighs> Sometimes I miss Nightfield. Um... So yeah, the next part of Tintin's investigation is he goes down to the docks because that's where you do investigating, I guess. Classic hair shay stuff. Oh my god, I just noticed that he gives himself away with a big sneeze, which I feel like is foreshadowing for the end of the book. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he sees like a shifty guy doing like a shifty deal. Um, they mention something about the boat Speedall Star. So then Tintin and also the Thompsons get undercover jobs on that boat. Yes. Thompson is doing a great job at being undercover on a boat. This is the fucking third time we have seen them in silly little sailor outfits. I am living for it. But the last time this ha I mean, this is like the weird chronology again, right? Like the... Yeah. The, when he wrote this, originally this happened before Red Reckon's treasure. Did this happen in Land of Black Gold as well? This is the one where we're reading. What it, oh, fuck, are you talking no, about? Fucking Crab with the Golden, Golden Claws, yeah. I don't remember. Because, like, but even I, that came after this. Like, even that you wrote after this, right? Well, because I do kind of feel like Crab with Golden Claws was just kind of also a rehash of this a little yeah. bit. Um, anyway, it's good to see. It's like they've got yeah. even more shit on them than they previously have. I noticed that their little hats say Titanic on them. Oh my god. <laughs> it does. Um, I didn't notice that. It's so funny. Yeah. The greatest tragedy ever told. I like that. Because <laughs> uh, when they do it, either in the future or in the past, in Red Rackham's treasure, depending on which chronology mm -hmm. we're going by or which version we're going by, uh, it's it's just, you know, cause it's, because it's just like our friends being on the boat. It's like, yeah, whatever. But in this one, all the like real sailors are just having a laugh about their outfits. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody dresses like actually like that on a boat it's just like the the panel we must discreetly mingle with the crew like Hershey's done <laughs> this like and he did it in fucking blue lotus he did it yep. in like every time it gets me every time every single time it's good i mean it's good because i think what works about it is that the thompsons are they just they're taking it so seriously like they their faces are always this like conspiratorial face yeah like that's, that that just works really well in contrast with like the the laughing face in the background. I don't know. And their little sailor sailor moon outfits. Yeah, it's um, great composition in this one because like in Blue Lotus it was like the entire street, like everyone was coming for mm -hmm. them. And in this one the panel composition is there's just like we see this like door 
uh, or what's it called like this? Yeah, like a port, port, portal door, yeah. boat door, this, like port door. hole thing, and all that is all the sailors assemble in this like little door to look at them. Yeah, is, they're uh, like in like a little frame of just laughing yeah. faces. Yeah. The other thing we see in the next few panels is the same. I think two guys or one guy that Tintin saw earlier on the docks. Um, and they see Snowy and recognize Snowy from like the docks because of that one time Tintin sneezed and they're like, oh my God, this is so sus. Like, what the fuck is going on? We've got to rehash all our plans. Um, this is also very like old Tintin. Yeah. To, like, be a shifty guy on the ship who kidnaps Snowy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't happen that much anymore. And it's also very old Tintin, the way he looks at the Thompsons and like looks at the soles of their shoes and. So I guess that like hobnail boots are like a cop thing, which he recognizes and then manipulates the Thompson twins into like taking care of like s- the secret documents that he he has or whatever. He's like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm 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 also a police officer, and they and the t- and the Thompson twins obviously take this very seriously, uh, and just like do what he says. Yeah. I think just like this kind of like shifty bad guy is like something we haven't had since I don't know like in a while like in four or five books I think like one who is just because we haven't really had like in the last one it was the villain was like the racist idea but like it was like you know it was a very different type of like this disconnected from all the racism it was like this this like huge like magical thing yeah um, like it genuinely and- has been since like King Otokar's scepter Crabical the yeah. Claws type era. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, fucking Secret of the Unicorn, uh, Red Rackham's Treasure didn't have... Or it, it had, like, this villain group, but they, they it didn't have, like, this kind of, like, there just was no, a guy who's, like... There was no, like, espionage. Yeah. Which this is, like, classic espionage shit. Um, but, yeah, like, so Tintin's work is as the, like, radio guy on the ship... Um, so while he's doing his job, hearing up like the war that might break out at any minute, um, uh, the shifty guy is trying to like kidnap Snowy. Um, so the stuff like he gets in a fight with Snowy, um, and then like later on he actually succeeds in kidnapping Snowy using the trick of chloroform. Um, brackets real. Yeah. If and- nothing else works. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. If no one got me, I know chloroform got me. <laughs> no one got me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the first thing he ta- he tries on Snowy is just like put a bone on a string and then hide behind the corner. Yeah, Snowy's <laughs> not falling for that. Um, no. I mean, Snowy is falling for that, but he's too passionate passionate about bones um, to let it kidnap him. Anyway, after Snowy is kidnapped, uh, Tintin goes and like looking for him to rescue him. He ends up. Uh, very heroically and gallantly rescuing what turns out to be a rat. Yeah, there's this big guy who just wants to punch a rat to death. And like, I can see, like, there's a guy who's yelling, like, vermin and beating something up. So Tintin, like, assumes it's snowy. It yeah. is not snowy. And then it's not. there's a very awkward situation. Uh, they get into a fight. <laughs> this results in, by pure coincidence, the guy who actually kidnapped snowy gets punched out by the, the, the rat beating guy this is another great action sequence where in this one um Erge works with um 
people punching things when someone ducks away and uh people hitting out like two different people chasing Tintin knocking each other out right Mm. and it's kind Um, of um the callback to that like stairs sequence from Black Island where like multiple people kept falling down the same stairs yeah so yeah, the, the Snowy's kidnapper gets punched down the stairs. He like bonks his head, which uh, later afflicts him with head bonk madness in classic <laughs> Hergé style. Um, he's knocked himself silly, as Tintin is saying. Yeah, and then he spends the, the whole rest of the thing going, a dog, a fog, a foggy dog, dog, a rum, tidam, 15, and uh, yeah, like just says weird <laughs> shit. I thought th- this, this was- free association. I thought this was going to come back later and it was going to be like, no. oh, he was faking madness. I thought so, out. yeah. But no, no, no. Because he doesn't get bonked more than, like, Tintin does every five minutes. I mean, okay, well, obviously, Tintin's not impervious to, like, bludgeoning damage like Tintin is, but... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I genuinely, I thought this was just going to be a fake, but nope. Um, And yet, he has, like, a bag with him. Tintin is like, oh my god, what if it's Snowy in the bag? Um, So he has Snowy back. He presumably, I know, puts this guy in the brig, whatever. He's never been seen again. Um, there's like a bit where it's really rainy and the Thompsons have vanished, but it just turns out that they've like gone and hidden themselves in the lifeboats because they think <laughs> the ship is about to sink. Um, and it's, I don't know, going on a ship wear- wearing Titanic ha- uh, hats is, <laughs> yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Um, so the ship gets to wherever they were going. Where were they going? Oh, they're going to a place in somewhere in the Middle East. No way to say where this is or where it is based on. But the town is called Chemical. It's called Chemical. But spelt with some K-H's so that you don't get it until you say it out loud. Pretty good joke. I didn't get it until right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, is the country Chemed? Uh, I don't... Yeah, I think Chemed is the country and Chemical is the place. (laughs) Um, and yeah, so the ship gets searched. Thompson and Thompson get arrested because they have heroin on their possession. Obviously, this was planted earlier. Uh, and Tintin yeah. had. This was the first moment where I was worried it's going to become racist, but it didn't. Like, yeah. he's drawn, like, these uh, brown uh, military police people. But it's just normal. <laughs> yeah, like, it just seems fairly accurate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Tintin, the thing Tintin has planted on him is some, like, documents saying that he is smuggling arms for the Sheik Bob LR. And so he gets arrested. Thompson twins get arrested. Thompson twins end up just kind of, like, I guess explaining themselves. And the uh, local police force kind of realize that they're just, like, idiot white guys. Um, but Tintin, basically one of like Bob Air's guys hears about that t- oh Tintin's smuggling guns for the Sheik. And they stage like a rescue of Tintin. Um the Sheik like gets Tintin and is like, Grit, where are my guns? <laughs> this is a really good bit, actually. Yeah. And, 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 like the I don't know, it's weird because all the conspiracy stuff, like both the like fight over like smuggling weapons and uh and the like overarching thing about like what if a war breaks out over oil mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. seems like accurate like yeah it doesn't seem like a made up uh orientalist conflict thing like yeah it just yeah this 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 is genuinely like things that like wars have broken out over right 
Because I'm I'm reading because this is one of the things that was changed from the sort of second version to the the British uh, version. Yeah, it says Tintin arrives in Chemical where he's arrested by Arab. So originally it was he was arriving at the British Palestinian Mandate, and the guys that arrested him were British officers. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it was the British officers who were like, "Ah, oh, Thompson and Thompson, you're fellow white guys. You're definitely not guilty of anything." <laughs> And I mean, they're also like at first they're like, oh, they're just a couple of drug smugglers. Like the the guy planted heroin on them. And they don't care about that one. Like it's yeah, not the the really British bothering love them. the British famously <laughs> love drug smuggling and use it to control their like colonial states. Uh-huh. I love that shit. Um, yeah, so originally like Tintin arrives and was arrested by British police, and then get. Cap- got captured by the IRL Zionist terrorist organization who mistake him for one of their own agents. Uh, I know there's kind of a lot going on there. I just think that this version is really funny and I enjoy it. Yeah. Just like the twist of like, where are my guns? Oh, actually, I was framed. Um, what guns? What? I don't have any guns. Hello. <gasps> um, but yeah, as, as soon as Tintin is like, bro, I don't have any guns. Like, I was framed. Uh, the Sheikh Babalair is like, um what the fuck you're my hostage now fuck this um oh yeah there's also like the next bit because there's like a whole bit about like some leaflets being dropped on the cheek camp which like originally i guess was like a british plane and the bit of him being like oh my guys can't even read i guess was originally like my guys can't read english or something uh. yeah maybe I don't. Um, I don't get what's going on here. What's going on here? Really. Yeah, there's a know. lot happening in these few pages, and I think it's yeah. partially because of like changes and like further changes. Um, yeah. But like, basically, eventually, everyone ends up like in the desert. Um, like the Thompson twins just fucking drive a car into the desert because they after- just drive across. <laughs> like they were told, they just need to go ahead, so they're like just gonna go directly straight on. Like. So, okay, so they get released and fucking no one cares about drug smuggling, so they just get out of prison. And the guy who releases them is like, oh yeah, like your friend Tintin was like kidnapped. Um, he's been taken by the, the Sheik Babalair. Oh, also there's like a 5,000 pound reward for finding the Sheik's like hideout. So they get very excited about the 5,000 pound reward and like go off. Don't seem to care about Tintin in this one. <laughs> I definitely no. noticed that in this version, in like this step in the Tintin timeline, they are extremely not Tintin's friends. <laughs> they are not friends yet, yeah. Um, they haven't gone on a boat with him yet. Yeah. So, yeah, they just drive into the desert. Um, I enjoyed this incarnation of the Thompsons. I yeah. think it's I think it's fun where they're like working on their own things instead of like helping Tintin out. Yeah. Because like they just get to be funny little guys and do mirage yeah. hijinks for like five pages, <laughs> and like all of them are funny. Like every single mirage hijink they do is like genuinely funny. Yeah, he has. Ajay has like just enough twist on it, twists, little twists on it, like every time that it's uh, that it, it kind of builds. It's uh, you know yeah. you're like okay, I got I've gotten used to them like. Uh, thinking a mirage is real. Okay, this time they're gonna they're gonna jump into it in their swimming suits and crash on their heads. Okay, this time they're gonna kick someone in the butt because they think they're a mirage. Like, and I like 
but the thing is, this like comes back in the end because when they're in the sandstorm and like they can like hear Tintin yelling yeah. for them, they're like, "Oh, that's just a mirage." And then like a page later, they're like, "Such a good bit." Wait, mirages aren't noise. <laughs> Tintin's here, <laughs> and like it, it works out um really well. Um, I mean, the joke is that every time they think it's a mirage, it's not a mirage, and every time they they think it's real, it's a mirage. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I think it might be like one of the Thompsons is always vouching for it to be a mirage, and the other one like isn't. But honestly, like I don't I don't pay attention yeah. to which of them is talking at any given time ever. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of panels where they're just shown from behind. So yeah. It's very cute the way they're like sitting like perfectly, perfectly straight up in their little yeah. red car. Well, yeah, and I, I love their funny little stripy swimsuits. Extremely good yeah. stuff. Um, fucking Thompson pin-up calendar when? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the implication that they either had it packed or that they're just wearing it all the time under their suits. <laughs> oh my god, I like to consider the second option. <laughs> Um, they're well, always that's ready. what it looks like, because they're just like, between two panels, it's why don't we have a swim? That's a smashing idea. And in the next panel, they're in their striped swimming suits. They're yeah. still wearing their hats. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah, so Tintin ends up in the middle of the desert because, like, uh, the Sheik is like, oh, fuck, like, there's people looking for my camp. I gotta move it. And as they're traveling through the desert, Tintin just, like, passes out and they just abandoned him. Um, this is a very funny, very funny way to handle like how how is Tintin gonna escape this one? Uh, uh, he's just there. If they just leave him there. <laughs> they just leave him there. <laughs> if they just lose interest. And then, so unlike the Thompsons, he knows what a mirage is and what isn't. So he just kind of immediately after he wakes up goes and finds an oasis. Yeah. Um, he's hanging out at the oasis. Uh, like night falls, and then a group of like guys on horses stops by. And they're doing stuff, very blue lotus, this one, um, where they, they're doing some shifty stuff and end up blowing up a pipeline, like an oil pipeline, mm-hmm. and like running away. They're doing fucking terrorist shit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Tintin is like, oh shit, horses, gotta get me one of those. So <laughs> clearly like knocks out the guy at the end of the line, steals his horse and identity and just like goes with this group. And as he's going with the group, he like hears the leader talking. He's like, damn. I feel like I've heard that guy before. I've heard this voice before. Weird. This guy seems German. This guy sounds suspiciously German. He follows him behind some rocks and sees him, like, getting changed. Real pervert shit, Tintin. Um, (laughs) But turns out this is Dr. Mueller, who we all remember from Black Island, right? We all remember Dr. Mueller. I think our listeners, even the ones who, like, don't read along, they know exactly who this guy was, who we talked so much about mm-hmm. him in the Black Island episode. Really memorable. It's <laughs> this is another, like, this is, this, is, this is one thing where you, like, very clearly see that he wrote this, like, five books ago. Yeah. When this when this guy was still relevant or when yeah. people still remember the Black Island. He yeah, said it's Black Dr. Island Miller. Was... Footnote, see the Black Island. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I always love when comics do that. And like there's some other ones that's like, oh it's Senor Olivero de Figuero and it's like see cigars of the Pharaoh. Yeah, I didn't remember that guy either. Uh, this I did remember him because I thought he was really funny the first time. Yeah. Um yeah, so I guess in time of original writing, Black Island was like only like half a book ago or something. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, the I think it was the last book. Yeah, this was that was the previous book at that point. Yeah. Wait, no, King Otokar was also between them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was like one book ago. So Tintin and Doctor Miller get into like a fight, 
Um, uh, Mueller's about to like kill Tintin, but like sort of gets distracted by the Thompson twins coincidentally driving past, which allows Tintin to sort of get the upper hand. uh, And Dr. Mueller ends up running away with both the horses into the desert. So yet again, funny that like now that I think about Dr. Mueller has got to be like the first like returning villain since Rastapopoulos. And even Rastapopoulos was like in a two-parter. Yeah. Like, even though even though they were very different, but they were intended as a two-parter. It's like very funny that that, that this is the guy that actually decides to bring back. Like it didn't I mean, need to. It didn't need to be a familiar face. Like except for the moment where Tintin is like, I I've heard this voice before, but like it doesn't really change anything about him, whether we know who he is or not. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess in the context of original writing, Hershey's like, this is my German villain who I keep including because yeah. of, you know, some relevant political modern day stuff that is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like even in even in the Black Island, he was like a secondary villain, right? Like there was another one who was the main guy. I don't remember them. Yeah, like, they're, they're just so memorable, Janosch. They're just fucking... It's when I think the Black Island, the thing I'm gonna remember is not the like uh, Scottish outfits or the or the big gorilla Mm-mm. or the plane hijinks. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the gorilla. Only Doctor Reader. Um <laughs> So yeah, Tintin is stranded in the middle of he's up Desert Creek without a horse. So all he can do is kind of continue walking. So he goes to, hey, where that car drove past earlier. Mm-hmm. As he's a set of Jeep tracks, you know, does a survival check to see where they're going and follows the tracks. Um, we then cut over to Thompson and Thompson <laughs> in their little Jeep driving in a straight line in the desert and they find another set of Jeep tracks. So they're like, oh my God, more more Jeeps. Let's follow these tracks. And they keep following the tracks. This is one of my favorite bits. It's so fucking good. They keep following the tracks. There's so more dumb. and more Jeep tracks. And like, you know, it's it's obvious what's going on, but I like that the sort of like reveal of this is when Tintin comes across like these like, 20 different jeep tracks and looks at it and it's like oh my god i could tell what's happening it's the same jeep just going around in circles this is so sad i'm so distressed by this and um, we can all we all know immediately what's happening it's just the thompsons are just my favorite bit about about the thompson stuff is that they're they're like oh look another one there's like seven tracks there's so many cars driving past and they find a can of petrol uh th- having dropped and they're like oh that's lucky for us but the poor chap who lost it I feel bad for him um let's put it on and then <laughs> then they notice that they lost their own petrol can and instead of making making the connection they're like damn now we gotta find our own petrol can that we lost yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's a, again like a good herge bit where he's very good at just showing you exactly what's going on yeah um and it's he like with all these Thompson bits, he he's just so good at like s- slowly building them up, like adding new variations on the new riffs on the same joke to to like keep it fresh or to keep it like mm-hmm. uh, to keep to keep it funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we get to the the sort of um, part of the book where we. It's a funny courage um, <laughs> joke there. Um, 
Yeah, there's a, there's a sandstorm. Um, <laughs> there's a sandstorm. And I like it. So this sandstorm, I like how it's like the sandstorm happens. Tintin is like, oh my God, the awful sandstorm. It, it'll get in my eyes and my mouth. I've got to cover myself entirely up until this it blows over. And then like cutting over to like the Thompsons and they're like, hmm, we should probably raise the windscreen and put up the hood of the car. <laughs> this is a little windy. <laughs> While Tintin is like fucking dying. This is such a good scene. Like the just like from a technical standpoint, the yeah. way he like cuts between the canal the panels and the way the like just the sense of movement it has, like the the, mm. the sandstorm and the way they're like moving and like there's a panel where like you see the the one of the Thompsons like being blown away with the windscreen and then in the next panel Tintin is like walking against that same wind like slowly but like the wind is like kind of continuing between the panels it's so good. yeah like this sets a direction of yeah where people are even though they're in completely different panels you you still like feel that they're moving towards each other because of the wind direction and stuff yeah 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 like uh, Tintin is yelling um oh yeah he realizes that it's the Thompsons because one of their hats blows into snowy <laughs> um He's like, holy shit, there's only two people in the world that have hats like that. It's the Thompsons. Yeah, it is quite good the way uh, the the small world thing works really well for Tintin. For Tintin yeah. comics, I think. Like, I don't know, in some other properties you would criticize the the author for like having the all the characters always end up in the same places. But with, with the Thompsons, I think Tintin and the Thompsons are just like destined to run into each other constantly. Like, yeah, no they're like stand users. Yeah. But yeah, the the bit of like Tintin yelling and like Tintin fires a gun to make a big noise and that they do the the mirage bit eventually realize it's real, and they come and find Tintin and there's this there's this great like reunion sequence where like Tintin is like yes it's the Thompsons and like one of them is running towards Tintin like oh my god I'm so overjoyed I'm so happy I've like find dot 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 my hat at last and then it cuts to the next panel where like he just like grabs his hat off of Tintin and he's like amazing thank you Tintin yeah so good back to they're not friends they're not fucking friends no um but yeah so I guess this is the bit where the like switchover of time writing periods happens and the more unhinged shit starts happening because uh after this harrowing adventure everyone falls completely asleep in the car and they're they're driving through the desert i really like the sequence of panels of like they're asleep you see them through the desert there's all these like higgledy wiggly tire tracks and then it cuts to and like you see like a town in the distance and then the next panel is just like the car in the town they're all asleep everything yeah, is chaos like, children are running away there's a chicken right in front of the car yeah, there's like a there's horse the, in the background. Yeah, the classic bit where it's just like someone's foot of the foot of someone who's like running out of uh, out of screen. Yeah, it's quite it's quite stressful to see this, like <laughs> to see to see them fall asleep on the wheel and drive into a city. Yeah, but listen, explosions can't kill people. Car crashes can't kill people. No. Also, guns can't kill people either, as we turn out later in this book. <laughs> So yeah, they end. They eventually just literally crash through the wall of a mosque while prayer is in session. I also really like that, like Hergé depicts like the call to prayer and like all the like people going into the mosque. 
before drawing the Thompsons crashing through. Like, he really sets up that, like, this is, like, actively, yeah. like, everyone's inside praying right now, like, before, yeah. like, crashing the Thompsons through the wall. Um, yeah, and then there's just, like, a silent panel of, like, dialogue-less panel of them grabbing the Thompsons and uh, kicking them into a jail cell. Yeah. Like, this really doesn't need an explanation. Like, you don't need to show the authority who condemns them. We, we've seen what, like. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy how this entire bit is, like, completely dialogue less. Like. Yeah, it's like, Harishay is like, ah, Thompson's are, like, beaten up by an Islamic mob. Brackets. They deserved it. Close brackets. Yeah. Um, we cut over to, this is the palace of, the uh emir muhammad ben kalish is up he's like the guy in charge he's the fucking monarch or whatever um he's talking to dr Mueller. he's trying to like make a deal with him he says no to the deal um and then tintin is also here to see him basically to be like hey you see, see those like white guys in jail like they're just idiots can you please let them go i mean they did do a lot of property damage and (laughs) put a lot of lives in danger (laughs) I don't, money is like never really an issue in these comics like it's always like we're gonna fr- find the treasure like they they are like you know on the hunt for treasures but there's no like um okay so uh do you have do you have the money to pay for this yeah like it's only just like the the, the two choices are like let's behead them for uh for breaking for like doing all this damage or just let them go, they're idiots. There's no yeah. like consideration of like, Yeah, it's like either we flog them or we do nothing, like Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, like Tintin ends up talking to the Emir about the stuff he's gone through. He sort of like starts talking about seeing Dr. Mueller, but then gets interrupted. Um the like Emir Muhammad also says a bunch of stuff about like, oh, all these like petrol companies that are involved and factional stuff. Yeah, you know they basically. I like, about, mm-hmm. I like about this bit where it's like Tintin is like, well, I I can tell you, but it's a long story, and then he's like, oh, I adore stories, and then it says two hours go by, like it took me two hours <laughs> to explain the first thirty pages of the comic, which is like, you know, we took less for it, but yeah. at the same time, if you consider RJ took like fifteen years, <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show that we're better than RJ because we did it yeah. last time. Um, <laughs> And we're probably less racist. Um, we're better, better than Erge at uh, exp- at, ex- at telling Erge stories that he wrote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's why they pay us the big bucks. Yep. Um, but like, yeah, before Tintin can like finish the story and kind of reveal that actually it's Doctor Mueller behind all these problems that the Sheik has been having, or so the Emir even, uh, a guy comes in and is like, "Hey, your son's missing." Hmm. And this is where the book really goes sicko mode. This is where this is where the where the real London Black Court starts. Yeah. I love because I, I alluded to this at the beginning, but this is when when this your son has been kidnapped thing comes up, you're like, oh, I know this. This is like in Cigars of the Pharaoh, where yeah. the uh, Maharaja's son was gone and Tintin had to find him. Except on that in that one, the son was just like a sweet little boy. It was a sweet little plot device. Yeah, it was like. In this one, the child is like a devil from hell. The child is the new villain of the book, and I I love the, him the child so is much. Omen from the movie Omen. Oh my god, is <laughs> but like it's set it's like set up so well because like 
You know, yeah. this guy comes in and is like, your son is missing, and like the emir is like, oh, I've got to go find my sweet little sugar plum, my little treasure, my baby lambkin, my special little guy, and they're just looking at things, and and like the emir is just like, oh, where are you, my darling? And it sort of seems fairly normal. And he says here already, like, already here he says, oh, I'm sure he's playing a prank. My son, he said, my son is the naughtiest young rascal anyone ever. So every day he thinks up some some new little wickedness. But like the way, because he says it laughingly and you're like, oh, haha, I'm sure it's just like. Haha, a normal okay, child. Like, I've seen this. It's a child that would like play hide and seek or like, uh, you know, do little jokes. You're not prepared how much he does think of some new little wickedness every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also shout out to that one panel of Snowy in the car. Yeah, it's very good. He has a, he has a little motor car, which he's gonna assume it's like, you know, his, uh, like running with his foot on the ground or something, mm-hmm. like that type of. A toy car, even though it looks very much like a realistic car and small, like an old old time car and small. What if a car was small? Fucked up. Yeah, and then uh, Snowy obviously just like jumps into and w- what it would be like if Snowy would be driving, and uh, we like to see it. If if a Snowy were to drive a car, would he drive it like this <laughs> or like yeah. this? Um, but eventually Tintin like does Sherlock shit, figures out that the child has been kidnapped. Uh, at which point they get like a ransom note uh, delivered, and then we sort of start seeing like the sort of little results of this devil child's pranks. Like uh-huh. Demir, like he's crying, he goes to blow his nose, and the tissue or the hanky is like full of sneezing powder, and he's like <laughs> crying and sneezing at the same time, like just distraught at the loss of his son, also a victim of one of his pranks. It's just a lot. It's really good. It's so well executed because it starts with him just like crying over my little honey bun has been gone. And Titan is like, oh, my stop little cream crying. We'll find him. No, no, it's just the sneezing powder that you put in my tissue, that bastard. <laughs> the, the other little detail I love is that every time it's some like devilish pr- prank that the at this point, absent child, like the child has not even been on this comic. Yeah, and like, it's... and we already see like his devilish pranks. And every time there's a prank, the the emir is like, "Oh yeah, he wanted he wanted it for his birthday, and now he's torturing everyone with it." Like, I'm gonna give this give this boy sneezing powder. I'm gonna give him like exploding cigars for his for his sixth birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like whenever it's someone else, the Amir is like, oh, what a little prank from my little sweet chickadee. And then it happens to him, and he's like, that wretched little centipede has changed all my best yeah. cigars or his fucking joke cigarettes. Yeah, this happens in, in this next scene where like the military advisor gets like his cigar blown up. Um, and then when the when the Amir's own cigarettes blow up, uh, mm-hmm. there's just like this really satisfied look on the military advisor's face. Oh my god, I didn't notice that. He's like got his like hands together like fucking Gandhi carry or some shit. And he's like, yes. Yeah. How does it feel? <laughs> yeah, Tintin keep. Oh yeah, so like a bunch of like military people are like um amassed to go and like find go out and find the monster child. Um. And then Tintin is like, oh, this was all like, a, this is a trick. He's actually being kidnapped by maybe someone else. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Tintin asks if he can see like a picture of the child. <laughs> and the Amir shows Tintin like a portrait of the son. 
Um, Sun's name is. This is so good. Uh, Abdullah, by the way. Yeah. This this just seeing this portrait of the child just got a huge laugh out of me. It's just like he looks so. It's just like he's dressed up in his little like Amir outfit. Like you know, children being dressed as adults already very funny. Always. Yeah. It's like yeah, fucking royalty shit. Always funny. He has this like look in his face. I don't know how to describe it. It's like this. This look of like I really hate it here. Yeah, um, yeah. While the while the Emir says like, "Oh, poor little Carap," he really hated when he had to like stand still for a portrait. And then it turns out, if you look on the Wikipedia, that this image, like this portrait specifically, is mm-hmm. based on a real like guy named Faisal II who became king of Iraq in 1939 when he was four years old. So that's why he was dressed up and like this. Uh, this adult like uh, dress, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, such a good image. Like really, the entire like construct or the, the this entire portrait is like looks basically the same as the real photograph of this. Yeah, uh, and like the kid in the photograph does not look happy to be there either. No. It's very good. Um, but yeah, the the Amir is like, oh, the 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 sittings for the portrait were torture. Actually, it was the artist who went in scene. <laughs> um, it's another bit where the Amir gets scared by a spider. Trick yeah, because he's like, uh, "Oh, these cigarettes are not are not one of the exploding ones. Uh, prank cigarettes. Uh, this is just a just a real cigarette." And then he opens the like box of uh, matches that is placed right in front of the portrait, and it's another prank. It's this <laughs> like springy spidery thing. Mm. This one, for this one, he doesn't even know where the child, where Abdullah got <laughs> yeah. it from. Um, yeah, there's like another bit um, where Tintin steps on like a one of the little things in paper that go bang, stuff like that. Um, also, like plot relevant, there's like a Professor Smith who like lives on a hill in the city. Mm-hmm. Who um, Tintin like knows that this guy is Doctor Mueller. I don't know how I wasn't paying attention. I was too busy focusing on the funny pranks that the child was doing while being I think- absent. I think it might have something to do with like his changing outfits or something, but I also don't quite mm. know how he made the connection. Um, but yeah, Tintin like goes out into the town like in disguise. I mean, just name wise, Professor Smith and Doctor Muller is like Smith is like the most co- or like the the like stereotypical most common English name, and Muller is like the stereotypical most common German name. Uh-huh. So it's like I guess you can put that together. Professor yeah. and Doctor is also like hmm. similar. So. Alucard vibes. Uh, villain conveniently choosing an alias that is easy to uh, mm-hmm. figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tintin goes out into town to, I don't know, do clues or some shit. He finds our old friend, uh, footnote, sea cigars of this pharaoh, uh, <laughs> Senor Oliveira de Figueira, who is selling stuff to the local population. Tintin also notices that quite a lot of people ha- are just sneezing mysteriously. Just mm-hmm. like a lot of sneezing going on, almost as if caused by some kind of sneezing powder. <laughs> um, and Tintin ends up getting Oliveira to help him infiltrate the, the house of this Professor Smith. Because like, Oliveira is like, you know, white guy going around selling stuff to other white guys, essentially. Yeah. And I fucking I love Oliveira here. Like he's so he just, great. He disguises Tintin like as his nephew and stuff. Slips him into the the house, and just like spends. This is one of this is one of my favorite jokes. Yeah, 
where yeah. the where the where Oliveira is like, oh, this he this poor boy, he he's my nephew from Portugal, but he's an orphan and he has such a sad story. Um, he you know he says uh he's oh, he's a bit simple, not surprising after what's happened to him. And then for the next like five to six pages, we're gonna intercut to Oliveira telling like. Just like more a, stories about what a sad childhood is had. A different, like, <laughs> it's such a mean part. joke, but it's so oh. funny. And it's like all of them are like kind of just like seemingly interconnected, and you've just got to be like sort of fill in like what could have possibly happened between these. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you can be bothered, mostly you're just like, oh, he's still at it. Like, yeah. Olivera just like he's the the sort of character with like plus one thousand charisma, just like as a sales like his sales perk. Um, yeah. So while he's doing that, like Tintin is free to sort of wander around the house. He's got. I do like this disguise. He's got like a funny <laughs> little like good. Josuke style pompadour wig and like a sort of yeah. almost a fez. Could be like a so so sort of like if a fez and a kippa had a baby. Yeah, and he's wearing uh wearing like these round sunglasses. Five minutes. Yeah, he breaks into Dr. Mueller's office to look around, uh, but suddenly Dr. Mueller like comes in through a hidden passage in the fireplace. Um, so Tintin has to hide. And this is where the like genius brain move of just introducing sneezing powder as a nar- narrative device so really good. sort of comes into fruition. Like all the all the stuff it does, like it's such a good, such an effective device, uh, or such a like good twist on the classic like action scene that because he does this he does this scene like quite a few times where it's just Tintin mm-hmm. and the bad guy having a fight in a room basically mm-hmm. you know it's like but, the scene that we praised in Black Island for being like a good yeah. fight scene like that but on like seven more levels and all the seven levels are seizing yeah. powder because like what happens is that uh, Dr. Mueller, because of a fly in the room, ends up knocking the box of sneezing powder and making like a big cloud of it in the room. So and that exposes Tintin, just like at the start of the book, because uh, he sneezes, and they end up having a fight. I am always blown away by how good he does these fight scenes. Like it's, I know we're saying this every single time, but it's just like genuinely like the the, the sense of momentum it has and the the readability of it like the, the you exactly know which thing causes which it's like it's like a fight it's like good wrestling in a way where it's like mm. you know a good a good wrestling match is where there's like you, you see which thing that someone does affects what uh, mm-hmm. how the momentum changes from one side to the other and that's like basically what there does here like uh, it's mm. uh, you know, the professor has the gun, but Tintin starts sneezing, but then the professor starts sneezing, so Tintin can knock him out. But before Tintin can knock the professor out for good, he has to sneeze again, so uh, so Dr. <laughs> yeah. Miller can, like, punch back. Like, it's 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 so good. And it's like, even after, like, like he wins the fight by driving the professor into, like, a wall and causing massive head trauma. And he's like, oh, great, I've knocked him out. And then sneezes again, and a picture falls on him as, like, one last little spice on the top of the fight scene yeah so he goes and investigates the secret passage that Mueller came out of finds this whole big fucking like bunker complex um, does some hijinks finds the uh, Emir's son fucking what's his name Abdullah finds Abdullah and like this is where the real problems start Yeah, like easily convinces a guy, holds him up, unlocks Abdullah's cell, but Abdullah's not fucking going anywhere. <laughs> this is 
Abdullah is the greatest side character we've had so far. Like, I'm, I'm not sorry, exaggerating. But... He's so funny. Yeah, fucking gorilla from the Black Island retirement. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure he's gonna come back. Like, oh, I think fuck, I hope so. That, uh, that, that actually brings back, like, at least once in a later comic. But he's just, he's just having so much fun with this guy. He's, just like, the design is so good. Like, the, his little smirks. Um, like, wow, he's he's just a little guy, and he's insufferable. And, and I think it, it's just that. I think Abdullah is the thing that makes people like maybe this comic is not Orientalist because it's like the universally like relatable brat yeah. character. Like a lot of these characters, like while their like race and fake made up nationality that isn't Palestine um is certainly like really relevant to where the direction of the story is going like as just like characters they could be sort of any race um <laughs> like he has that just universal relatability of this is an evil devil child um but yeah Tintin sort of has to Tintin eventually like wrangles him after just a lot like a page two pages <laughs> of wrangling um, where he's just no, won't, shan't, shan't, wah. Um, I just noticed that it is absolutely implied that Tintin beats up the child. Absolutely, yeah, he he beats up a child. Um, but I don't mind that much. Like, you shouldn't do that in real yeah, life. Yeah, hey, not but... to advocate for child violence, but I feel like I would do this too. That's <laughs> pretty funny here. Um, I mean, it's it's just funny because, like, after that, he's like, "My papa is the emir, and I will, I shall tell him." <laughs> you sure will. Funny. My papa will have you flogged, and then he will have you impaled. Like when you do the, once you've like rescued, because like Tintin is here to rescue him, but he's like yeah. he keeps threatening that when my papa hears about what you've done to me. Yeah, um, it's fine. He's not real. Tintin can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fake child violence is okay. Actually, um, it's okay to beat up a child if it's fake. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Tintin's getting him out of the bunker complex complex but also there's like a little train track that goes through the bunker complex and as soon as abdullah sees this he's like i'm gonna play trains and just like <laughs> ditches so tintin to run along the train track saying chuff 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 the, chuff chuff the, the panel where he's like chuff 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 is the funniest shit i've ever seen like where he acts like a train <laughs> it's so good but he runs straight into uh dr Mueller. And then Dr. Mueller and his, like, uh, very racistly drawn associate, by the way, uh, still got yeah. a lot of this shit. Here, Herja, you fuck this. Um, but, like, they get into a gunfight. Tintin escapes into a room full of flares, which start exploding. There's a great little panel of Tintin in the big room where everything is exploding, just hiding behind a little box. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, um... Tintin's so unexplodable, so... Yeah, he he can't be harmed by bullets or guns or explosions. No one can be. Um, eventually, Tintin gets rescued by everyone's favorite character, who has definitely been in this book the whole time. Yay! It's Captain Haddock. <laughs> Captain Haddock shows up with ten pages left. <laughs> yep. I How mean, did he get here? I'm sure we'll find out. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful captain. <laughs> my God! How did he get here? We'll literally never know. 
Um, so it seems like the like Emir's guys have taken over the bunker. I don't fucking know what happens. Like the plot happens. Uh, Doctor Mueller has escaped with the Devil Child into the desert, and like everyone's going after him. Um, Tintin and Haddock take the Emir's car, which is obviously a very fast car, and they catch up to everyone very fast. Um, and there's like a bit where the Thompsons are still yet again also driving in their jeep, back at it again in the jeep. Um, and Tintin and Haddock like overtake them and they're like, whoa. And one of the Thompsons just gets out of the car because he thinks the car is standing still. <laughs> um, I just, this, I don't know why this bit gets me. It's just a random bit. Um, it's very funny. But we cut it's over. It's funny because nobody would do this. Like... <laughs> yeah. We cut over to the car where child torture is uh, happening, but in a twist yeah, of events, it's... it's the child doing the torturing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this is another classic bit. What, which is like gets me every time when the villain is doing the villainous thing of kidnapping the child, but instead it's the villain that's suffering. Like the child is just like completely unaffected by this. Yeah, yeah. Like the first thing we see is Abdullah being like, "I'm thirsty. I want ice cream. I want ice cream now. I want to go home and I want." <laughs> like Doctor Miller just just like fucking ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, where he starts taking over the wheel, like dragging the wheel around, like <laughs> endangering both of their lives. It's yeah, just like the. Very good. Oh no, it's after because eventually he gets made to sit in the back, and but he's got his itching powder, which he sprinkles down the back of Doctor Miller's jacket. Um, and then there's just like a panel of like the really incredibly wonky like drive line of the car, mm-hmm. um, as he's just like scratching and itching and having a really bad time. Um, and we sort of cut back to uh, Titchen and Haddock's car and there's just like a plume of smoke on the horizon <laughs> where they've like this child has caused a car crash with itching powder yep which uh, once your car turns over it's gonna light uh, it's gonna get lit on fire mm-hmm. that's that's how it works mm-hmm. that, that's how it the works. child loves it he's like what a lovely accident yeah <laughs> can we obviously. have another one the child is fucking whatever the Islamic version of Satan is Possibly yeah. also Satan. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Um, Shaitan, I think. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they catch up to the car crash where Mueller and Abdullah are. Mueller, like, takes the child at gunpoint. Uh, the child loves this. Ab- Abdullah fucking lo- loves to be held at gunpoint, just like in a real yeah, gangster film. just like in a gangster movie. <laughs> and notably... um. He's, like, holding him at gunpoint, and Abdullah's like, Oh, hey, take this other gun to shoot them with. Um, Mueller's, like, not really paying attention, so he just takes the gun and is like, thanks. The gun will come up later. Yeah. Um. Obviously, this six-year-old will have, who does, uh, practical jokes with everyone will have a real gun. Mm-hmm. What is the most practical joke of all, if not a gun? That, that is also true. <laughs> yeah, he gets away with Abdullah again. Uh, they drive off in Haddock and Tintin's car, but this time, like, Abdullah is just not having fun anymore and, like, bails, jumps out of a moving car, um, <laughs> which allows uh, Haddock to come and, like, Haddock gets to be the person to go babysit the child while Tintin goes and fights Dr. Mueller. Yeah. Um, it takes Haddock three panels to start beating up this child. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which, in this context, fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. And it's very funny, like, after the panel of him, you know, fucking smacking the child's bottom, a la 1950s, the next panel is like, be quiet or I might start losing my temper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the child does more, like, torture towards 
haddock with like a paper bag and stuff. Yeah, the um, child beast quiet for two panels. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this one panel where it's like haddock looking very um very seriously into the distance and he's like the silent bothers me i'm sure something's brewing and then you see like behind him uh, abdullah with a with a paper bag like about to hit onto it just about to hit that bag yeah so yeah. dr meteor is like cornered by tintin like he's about to be captured he's at the end of his tether i don't fucking know um and he's like, oh no, my gun is empty, but luckily I've got Abdullah's pistol that the child gave me. Um, he says stuff along the lines of, like, you'll never take me alive. And then there's this, like, sequence of... Pa- Honestly, this really got me. Um, yeah. Both for, like, the comedic and tragic aspects of it. Yeah. Because um, there's the panel of him being like, you'll never take me alive. And then a panel of Tintin being like, no, don't do it, for heaven's sake. Um, you know, because Tintin as a Catholic knows that Dr. Meter will go to hell if he does suicide. Um, Which he otherwise he wouldn't go to hell for his other crimes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the next panel is Dr. Meter with like looking at the pistol very surprised and in the first instance of Hergé doing acceptable blackface, his face is completely <laughs> covered in an ink squirt. Um, yep. Which then we cut to Ab- Abdullah explaining, "That's my ink pistol. I give him. I give it to him. What a funny prank!" Yeah, this is also the point where uh, where Abdullah starts calling uh, starts calling Hedek blistering barnacles, which I think is very funny. I just noticed that. That's so good. There's a bit like later where they go back and he's like, no, I don't want to go home to my dad. I want to stay with you, Blistering Barnacles. <laughs> my new dad, Blistering Barnacles. And that's the that's the end of the book. That's that's the, the, the plot is resolved. Unless... What if we introduce magic like in the last five pages of the book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking might as well. I've been in Geneva for the last ten weeks. Let's fucking go. <laughs> um... Yeah, so the Thompson twins have headaches because they've been driving around in the hot sun in their completely black outfits for, like, several days. I'm sure they're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But luckily for them, there's just a coincidental tube of aspirin on the ground, um, which they take, and it does does unspeakable things to their minds and bodies. If you find pills in the wild... Just, just take just lying them. on the ground. I would just swallow them immediately. It's fine. Yeah, like if you if there's like a pill and it's in like a package. Yeah. And that that's obviously what the pill is gonna be if you find it in the middle of the desert and you can just. If it take says that. aspirin on it, mm-hmm. you know what else it could what else could it be? Yeah, normal just, normal pill. You wouldn't just lie. You think someone would print fake pills in a fake aspirin thing and just lie <laughs> like that? You gotta look out for you gotta look out for the people having headaches out there in the desert. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah. some benevolent uh, guy just like dropped a bunch of aspirin bottles in the desert. Yeah, it's the like you know Bedouin tradition of seeding the desert yeah, but- with aspirin so that random <laughs> white guys can pick that up and cure their headaches of them. Yeah, no, uh, it's fucking tt top o'clock. They start like bubbling out of their heads. Like, they just start, like, emitting weird bubbles. And then Tintin is, like, looking at the aspirin bottle. And it's like, wait, this seems... It seems real. Um, and they look at the pills. And, like, meanwhile, Abdullah is just losing his mind how funny the Thompsons <laughs> are now. Because they start, like, growing, like, first to red beards that then turn white. And then, in the end, green. And also, they're, like, sort of yellow, then blue, then even more yellow. They... Yeah, a bit of a... 
it's like, okay, Hershey. <laughs> like, Abdullah's right to lose his mind because this is fucking hilarious. It is. Just, like, the little, the fucking panel of, like, whenever Tintin gets them to the hospital and the doctor being like, what the fuck? Just, like, looking at these two, like, Thompson, Cousin It, aspirin affied like, versions of ZZ Top. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, while, like, Tintin drives the Thompsons to the hospital and takes Muner to, I guess, jail or wherever, um, Haddock takes Abdullah home. Uh, but Abdullah wants to stay with blistering barnacles. Uh, we then get, like, the fucking Emir, like, and Tintin sort of resolve the plot. Calculus, they send the pills to Calculus, who figures out, uh, through a series of unhappy accidents, brackets, he blew up Marlin Spike Hall, uh, that the pills are what's causing the petrol to be extra explosive, and also, like, he can fix it, because he's a genius. This is so deranged. Like, the fact to have, like, these pills that make petrol bad, but also if you take them, you transform into, like, beard monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, why does it do that? I don't know, but I, like, I'm here for it. It's very funny. It, it, it very much, like, the ending of this book, I, I love the, I love the last, like, few pages because this is RJ going full on, like, fuck you, I'm gonna finish this book. <laughs> Yeah, here's like... I'm not gonna explain it too much. Yeah, every fucking panel is just like mostly text at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's a fairly well-resolved plot, I guess. It's just mostly text. Like, I'm just reading a book at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, Calculus blew up Marlin Spike. I mean, this is also just an excuse to have Calculus like be re- relate to the plot somehow, because that's another thing that, like, as he, as he had to finish the earlier book, you know, he didn't include the characters who became a staple by then yeah like it's pretty good i think it like again this was said on the wikipedia page but like it sets up calculus as like a fucking genius because then the next book is destination moon where it's like calculus genius heavy type shit yeah um we're going to the fucking moon baby yeah to finish this off like you know Mueller was a secret agent for a foreign power i wonder who could that could be i'm sure it's nothing don't worry about it um, and then the last thing that sort of happens is funny Haddock get funny pranked. This is so good. What a caprice! This is so good because he's like, Tintin is like, hey, I still, I still don't know why you're here. <laughs> you just showed up. Um, and then he says, well, I'm gonna explain it to you. It's very complicated. <laughs> the reason why I just showed up. Um, would you believe it? And as, as he starts to smoke his cigar, we just see, see a little Abdullah in the corner. Just going completely gremlin mode. Yeah. And then it blows up and then he says, fuck you, I'm not gonna explain why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is the end. Which I just really enjoy. Like, this this big, like, fuck you to the audience, to, like, an- anyone who, who, to any of the nitpickers who are like, why did you, why did Haddock show up at the end? You didn't explain that. You need an explanation. Haddock's like, fuck it's, you. It's just so good. <sighs> and I, again, I love the little ending panel of our perfect little evil son child, yeah. like, having graffitied the words the end at the end of the comic and giving <laughs> us, so like, good. giving us, like, sticking his tongue out at us. It's really good. I love this book. Yeah. I, like, I, I think this was, I think, I think this is a top three book. Yeah. Me. Like, I mean, it's, I think it's definitely above Seven honest. Crystal Balls. Yeah. Is it above Blue Lotus? I mean, Blue Lotus is very good, but like if if you ask me which one I would like reread first, it would probably be this one. Yeah, I think like I think it might be, like Blue Lotus is very good, but I think 
like this has that like some of like traces of that like old Hershey like political stuff which like in this like I didn't really pay as much attention to it as I would have in like the likes yeah. of Blue Lotus but I did enjoy it yeah um yeah such a good marriage of like uh of like early Hershey and like later period or like mid period Hershey like whatever point we're at like him at the height of his powers and uh, I don't know. I just really admire the way that the uh the like continuing with the early story because of like health issues and like trying to cut corners um and like introducing these new elements uh to 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 the to the story. I began earlier, but the political situation has changed, so the relevancy isn't there mm. anymore. And the yeah. way he like still like managed to tie that together in like a book that is so enjoyable as a whole is just like really admirable. I think. Yeah, and it's like. I think part of like part of our enjoyment of it comes from knowing the context of all the changes it went through mm-hmm. and those themselves being interesting. But yeah. it's also the same with Blue Lotus, because I think part of our enjoyment of Blue Lotus comes from yeah, like knowing about like Hershey's friend, uh what's his face? Zhang. Yeah. Um which I think like having put Blue Lotus up there, we should also allow the context of this to influence our enjoyment and ranking of it. Yeah, I agree. And what if we just put it above Secret of the Unicorn? What if it was just number one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but like... But, I don't know. It's kind of a fun take. I think it's a good... I, I like to be controversial. I think it's... Hell uh... yeah, let's put it at number one. <laughs> nice. Fuck you, I Secret did, like, of the Unicorn. I think, it, I think it helped that the last one was so rancid. Yeah, uh, definitely. So that uh, like bounce like if back. We, I feel like if we if we'd come off this after like like King Autocars or stuff, we would have been like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Or, or even after like Red Rackham's Treasure, it would have been like, oh, that's also, nice. I think like Abdullah as a new character is like it's just like it's just like nothing else we've had yeah. so far. Like that's that's such a good innovation to the comics or such a good like new introduction and it works so beautifully like usually when he introduces new characters it takes like two to three like issues until they really come into their own and this child just like this character just like immediately steals the show yeah perfect i've given i'm giving it five out of five perfect evil children yeah this is i think abdullah is the new mascot of this show yep yep oh yeah Yana, do you think you're ever going to get the little present I sent you? I will. I'm not going to tell you what it is then. It just arrived at my old place and I need to figure out if I'll be, if I'll drive by in the next weeks or if I let them uh, forward it to me. I don't know. But it has arrived, just not where I am. Cool. All right, gang. Well, that's that's our rankings, ratings, reviews, and uh, ratifications. Yes. If you, look, if you were like, if you were sickos over the last episode that uh, that we hated a comic so much, if you're one of the Tintin haters, bad news for you. We like it again. Yeah, Hershey, Hershey pulled it. Hershey pulled it back from the brink of death. Really, we yeah. literally went from like our last ranking to our first ranking between yeah. episodes. Just I have whiplash. Amazing, great stuff. Yeah, next next week we're going to fucking space. Like we are going to fucking free our souls from Earth's gravity. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. That's that's one of those. I think there's no other book where we had so many people tell us that I'm so excited for you to get to the moon books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we will have a guest so, either on the first or second of those books. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. But we will have a guest, so look forward we'll to that. Figure it out. Um, and I guess the the guest teaser is that it is someone who Sarah does a podcast with. 
Oh. So it could be one of, like, ten people. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to hear more about the 17 podcasts that we both do collectively, look in our description. Please. You can find the podcast on Twitter at... Uh, what is it? I don't know. Tintin underscore podcast. Thank you. We make good posts. We make very good posts. Yes. We said Tuesday again, no problem. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah. If you feel like it. Uh, We have one rating, but we have no reviews so far. So oh, shit, really? Bad. Yeah. The more you know. I'll take the high rating. And I'll take the low. <laughs> no, don't take the low rating. You're so sexy. Haha. <laughs> the end. Blech. I'm sticking my tongue out at the listeners. Okay. Lose you.